You're listening to Supermanager, the podcast with a diverse panel of experts discussing what goes on in the office. And your host, Samantha Nays with CN Video, corporate video production. Your business's video team on call. This week, we're going to be talking about dealing with imposter syndrome. And I have my very real non-imposter super friends with me. We have... My name is Mike Kitko. I am an executive coach with Mike Kitko Coaching. I help executives feel as powerful inside as they appear on the outside. And I just published my first book, The Imposter in Charge. Awesome. And I'm Angie Kitko, also with Mike Kitko Coaching, and I am a speaker and connector. Jeff Kozatek with Core Authenticity. I help people reframe how they see themselves so they can change how they see other people. And I am Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. Mm. How do you define imposter syndrome? How do I define it? Yeah, because I had a thought on that, but I... Well, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, my definition is kind of the story that I told initially where you think that you don't measure up to people that are quote-unquote legitimate. Right. But the actual definition, I did do a Google search beforehand, (laughs) the actual definition of imposter syndrome is when people don't believe that success is deserved or as a result of their efforts or skills. It's value or worth. It all goes back to value or worth. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, you see a lot of people in transitions or like working full time and then they stay at home, be a stay at home mom or stay at home dad. And then there's this feeling I have seen in other people and personally experienced where you're like, ah, do I have anything to contribute uh, really because I'm at home. So when I'm out and I'm talking to somebody, everybody asks, so what do you do? And if you say, well, I'm a stay-at-home dad or I'm a stay-at-home mom, there's this feeling like, uh, you know, so you want to refocus that and you want to put on this mask. That's internal, though, isn't it? That's internal because, uh, well, not, it it is internal, but it also has a lot to do with what society, the, the pressure and the outside influences that you get. And I know when I decided to go back to work and after being a stay-at-home mom for 13 years, I was in that exact space. Like, what do I have to offer? And my husband sat down and started listing all of these things that I had to do or that I got to do as a mom and like created this resume for me, Mm -hmm. helped me create a resume that I was able to look at and say, oh, wow, I did so much as a mom. But you hear oh, she's just a stay-at-home mom. Oh, he's just a stay-at-home dad. Like we're sitting at home popping bonbons and watching television all day. And I don't think I was ever the greatest stay-at-home mom or the greatest housewife, but it was a lot. There was a lot of skill gained during that time. So, But don't you find now that you have more confidence that you've come to that realization that there's value in what you were doing, that when you present it to others, others aren't looking down their nose at you as much as maybe they were when you felt self-conscious about it? Oh, right. Because like my husband said, you know, how you see yourself is right. how everybody else sees you. Right. So, and I, I'm also a ninth grade dropout. I dropped out of high school in ninth grade because I left home due to an abusive household. So I also have that lack of education, stay-at-home mom. And when I first began getting asked to speak on addiction and recovery, which is my zone of genius, it's what I know and what I factually know and have experienced. And I still had that ninth grade dropout. Who am I to get up on this stage and help teach these people my life experiences? And now that I I have that, I've I've built that up, and now I see myself at a much Mm -hmm. higher level of significance. Everybody else sees me at that level. I like, I heard this quote one time and it was really cool, that you'll never 
be criticized by someone who has attained more than you mm -hmm. for trying. So now I'm going to bring it all back to the imposter syndrome. But if someone's built a million dollar business and you're just starting your business, somebody who started a million dollar business oh. who's successful is not going to criticize you. Right. They're going to cheerlead you and they're going to champion you. They're not going to try to beat you down. You'll never be criticized by someone who's attained more than you for trying. You'll always be criticized by someone who's attained less than you, who's jealous of what you're trying to do yeah. or feels that they can't do it. And I think it all comes back to confidence as well. So when you're dealing with someone with low confidence, they're going to judge the living shit out of people that have more confidence than them. And they're going to try to tear you down and get you back down to where they are because no one with more confidence is going to tear someone with lesser confidence down. They're going to try to help them prop them up, right? Love, empathy, and compassion is helping people like get to where you are. Pity and sympathy and abuse, and it's, it's pulling them down. It's pulling people down. People with more confidence than you will not beat you down. This is why I constantly talk about a value meter. It's like if you're playing a video game, there's a life bar usually yeah. above your head to let yeah. you know where you're at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or in the old RVs commercial, there's like a fl floating hat. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. So if we can picture everybody walking through life with this value meter right next to them on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being full and 1 being, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. If we're looking for our value outside of ourselves, this value meter is never full. There's always a gap and we always have to earn more. We have to defend what we have or we have to inflate and put on our and imposter And it would be based face. on your surroundings too. Based Who on your surroundings, your, yeah. other people's perceptions. Right. And when we're like that, we totally do what you're saying. We tear other people down. We don't help them out. We guard the secret sauce. We don't pass on a legacy and we definitely don't give people a hand up. But when we stand on our intrinsic value, that value meter is a 10 all the time, regardless of our perception. And when we're on that, then we're encouraging other people. Then we're lifting people up. But the question is how? How do you achieve that? By connecting to the, your true value and worth. So in client conversations, you know, when I have someone, especially when I have a new client, I, I ask them that question. What makes you valuable and worthy? What makes you deserving of everything that you want? And typically they're in this like crisis mode in the front and, and in the beginning of our conversations and it's about their role or their title or their income or the health of their marriage or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's ultimately, I, I do this really cool exercise where I get them into, you know, close your eyes and breathe, practice breathing, and then help them understand, you know, hey, feel Feel your stomach. Feel the energy. They've probably, at this point, never taken time to just really feel their body. After you ate donuts or chili or... Preferably <laughs> before donuts. But okay. when they feel the energy in their body, right, and they feel their body probably for the first time, say, that's what makes you valuable because you are, because you exist. Because you're so breathing. meditation, I mean, that's Med really what that's you're doing exactly in meditation. That's exactly right. I'm getting them into a meditative state, getting them to connect to their humanity, right? Their body, their divinity within. Get them to connect to that and say, that is what makes you valuable. Because there's seven Not points. Not external. No, factors. nothing on the outside. You're equally worthy and deserving as everyone else. There's 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. And we're all genetically the same, right? Basically, we're biologically the same. Red blood cells, white blood cells, you know, nerve endings hair, lack of hair, whatever. Thank we're, you. We're all, no, I'm pointing to myself and you, right? So we're brother in baldness. But the point is we're all equal when it comes to our biological makeup, right? The only thing that separates us is our relationship with ourself. And there's someone in the world that has a higher, a more pure and more healthy relationship with themselves than I do. And there's someone who has a lesser relationship with themselves than I do. 
And that's the only thing that separates our value and our worth, right? It's our connection to ourself. So it sounds like meditation, having respect for accepting yourself. Yes. And not taking other people's perfect lives that you see on Instagram and Facebook uh-huh. too seriously. Yeah. Comparing yourself on the inside to other people on the outside. We compare our back office to somebody else's front office, right? Or our front office to somebody else's back office. And it's not apples and apples. There are no comparisons between people on the planet. We're all different. Yeah. So this is a really big uh, soapbox for me. Oh, okay. I'm going to jump on. Okay, go for it. Go. Go, man, go. Uh, And now with that introduction, I've totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Performance anxiety much? (laughs) No. So, and I'm keeping this part in. We're not editing this. That's great. That's great. Um, so I was just having a conversation with a guy about this just last week. And he's like, you know, what is personal worth and where does that come from? For me, I believe everybody has value because we were created on purpose for a purpose. If you want to take faith out of it for a second, if you just look at the physical laws that keep all of us together, the sun here at just the right space from the earth, the spin, the way our, our molecules hold together in just the right way. <laughs> You know, the guy was saying, oh, yeah, so, you know, six million years led to this. I'm like, okay, if we go down that road, here we are. And now just one thing is just slightly off. We like disintegrate, right? That has value, really. And then if you take both of those things off the table and say, as you go through life, you've got really one of two options, right? One option says that I have value no matter what I do, no matter what has happened to me, like it's full all the time. And because of that, I can drop the judgment stick and I can show up and I can be present in all my relationships and I can help. And not only that, but I can be free to give or to hold on to. I can be free to pursue a career and walk away or stay in. The other option is to walk around with the judgment stick with a low sense of value. And in that case, then I pick up the imposter mask, right? And then I try to pretend that I'm something that I'm not or pretend to be something else that I'm not. Or... On the other hand, I pull up the imposter mask that says, I am nothing. I am the rape victim. I am the guy that constantly gets laid off. I am the person that always makes a mistake. Like both are identity, are imposter masks. right? Yeah. Identity. We assign our identity to something that changes and that's not consistent. And we are not. Our identity right. is not in something that we can lose. No. And when we go down that imposter road, yes. it's never enough. And we're constantly fighting. We're constantly defending. And we're justifying ourselves. Even even if we know that it's wrong, we're still justified because that's the source of our value. I'm like, this is the two ways that we can live our life. So what do you want? Right? I've actually been reading a book or <laughs> listening. I've actually been listening to a book on tape. And it talks about how people tend to judge themselves more harshly than other people. Mm-hmm. How you might be forgiving of someone else or you might love someone else in spite of their flaws or faults or inabilities, but if you have that flaw or fault or inability, you judge yourself much more harshly and you feel like you're not worth anything because of it. Yeah. And they recommended that you treat yourself the way you treat any other loved one or as you would treat yourself as a child. Yeah. I was at a uh, I went to a TEDx speaker event in St. Louis a couple of years ago and man there was this woman speaker series and there was a lady on stage and I don't know if it was nerves or whatever it was but I'm not even sure if she knew that she was on stage like she stumbled over herself and she just kept fumbling and fumbling and I sat there in that audience applauding her for being up there right. and doing it 
and I was on a podcast a few weeks ago and I could not pull the word reputation and I had a meltdown. Mm. Cancel that podcast, <laughs> do not air it, re-record it for one word. But I'm sitting here just applauding this woman for getting out there. It's, I know, yeah. The thing I was trying to remember. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there comes your point. Did I remind right. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always telling people, you're not gonna see value in somebody else beyond what you see in yourself. Yes. And if you're walking around with the imposter mask, you're limiting you and you're limiting your, your relationships with other people. We're good. No, no, we're not because, <laughs> but you're talking about how to get out of the imposter syndrome. Okay. And I don't think it's a stamp, Sam. You can't just say, hey, you have value. You can set down the mask and you yeah. can just be you. I feel like not at all. along with the, the meditation stuff that we were talking about, you have to hashtag wash your brain. Like every day, remind yourself uh, who you are and what you're about and what your values are. As soon as you stop reminding yourself, your perception is going to take you down the imposter syndrome. We used to joke about, was that Stuart Smalley's? Yes, yeah, you're yes. Enough, you're smart you're enough. Smart and, enough gosh and gosh darn, darn it, it, people, people like you. you. We, we make fun of that. But the reality is, if we don't remind ourselves of the truth, we're going to get all these messages out here that say, you're not enough unless you have the iPhone 17,000. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not enough unless you live over here. We need that constant, that constant reminding. And on that note, do we have an imposter syndrome horror story? I bet you somebody could come up with one. Yeah, my own. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a business and I've just assembled the greatest team in the history of manufacturing, right? Put this team together and they're performing. I walk into a room, I give my team that I paid a lot of money a problem. They would kick me out because they could solve it and I would just get in the way and I would leave the room and I'd feel like a disaster because I couldn't contribute. But I put those brains in that room to be able to solve that problem because what they were doing by kicking me out was they were taking stress and pressure off of me because they respected and appreciated, I'm getting emotional, because they respected and appreciated me so much that they thought that that was a waste of my time to be in there while they solved the problem. That was a success, not a failure. It was a huge success, but all I I remember closing the door after they were like, hey, you can leave, we got this. I remember thinking, I gotta get out of here because I can't add any value. And I remember like feeling like, oh my God, I gotta start calling recruiters because I, I have no place in this organization anymore. And that was like the pinnacle of success but the depths of despair. The the horror story I have is that my imposter syndrome drove me to do 350 shows a year and produce videos and shoot photography and be married and have kids and try to take care of myself. That was not sustainable. And of those 350 shows, 200 of them would happen between June and, and August in just a three month time frame. So during that time frame, my wife is single with our kids and I'm off pushing my body as hard as I can. And this is taking a toll on my marriage, it's taking a toll on my kids. So for like, you know, one month, we would be prepping for this, then three months we would be separate, and then there'd be a two month re-entry process. Mm-hmm. We're like, hi, I'm your husband. Well, that's great. We have everything taken care of, mm-hmm. right? And so for six months out of the year, there's a strain on a relationship that I really like and want. And I started seeing a change in my kids' behavior. And I thought, well, shoot, either I can continue down this imposter road trying to earn value over here, Mm. or I can step back and say, you know what, what I do does not bring me value. It comes from who I am. And I can set this down and I can try to engage in the stuff that really matters. That was awesome. It's beautiful, beautiful. Thanks for listening to Supermanager by CN Video Production. 
give us a call at 314-843-3663. That's 314-VIDEO-ME. Or visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes, information, or to discuss video services. 